Welcome to Season 3 of the M-W Tactical Podcast. Sit back and enjoy the conversations of the mad scientist and myself as we discuss the sport of shooting, goals, training, and everyday life. You are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. All right, good people. We're back at it again. Another podcast from the trio, as you know, as the M-W Tactical Podcast. This week's show is sponsored by Outdoor Dynamics. Their slogan is, we pull the handle so you don't have to. Go check out what all they have to offer far as your reloading competition needs. Um, I think they got the best prices around. Um, they have a quality products and let John know you heard about Outdoor Dynamics on the M-W Tactical Podcast. So just go check out OutdoorDynamics.com and get those competition rounds that you need for these upcoming matches in the further following months. We also have the South Carolina State match the South Carolina section that is taking place 30 April through 2 May. Registration is open. And of course, Matt Scientist was chasing me around on the range talking about get people to sign up. So I don't want to get put in the headlock. So please go sign up for the South Carolina section taking place 30 April through 2 May in Belton, South Carolina. And go shake the Matt Scientist's hand so he can leave me alone all right i'll be there <laughs> all, so, all week actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. so here we go bring it in the first co-host this guy actually turns the tools has the knowledge does a multitude of facets but i'm surprised marvel and dc hasn't made a character after him as of yet i think his character name will be called that gun guy but yeah we call him the mad scientist dave what's going on dave yeah we need that gun guy we need that. <laughs> hey that's it right there well, they don't have a gun guy do they um, well you got kill shot uh, from remember the movie suicide squad dc yeah he's yeah. a guy oh he's a he's yeah. a pretty badass gun guy yeah yeah he's he's on point Especially yeah, with um, no look shots. <laughs> yeah, he's got yeah, a little your so, eyepiece thing. I don't yeah. have one. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you got the red dot, so that can count uh, in yeah. that regard. You know, so. But um, how how has your week been since the last episode? Been busy, man. We've been uh, really busy at work, right. uh, which is good which is very good. We've got some new, potentially some new um, customers um, mm -hmm. interested in um, some fabrication stuff. So we've been working on some new, new projects and been staying busy. I've been doing some stuff around the house and uh, trying to keep up with my dry fire in the morning. Hey, that's it right there. Um, I know me and Lucky had a conversation. I told him, I was like, you know, Dave, wake up at three o'clock and start dry fire, right? <laughs> I don't think he believed me when I said it. And I was like, yeah, he wakes up pretty early, you know, especially when he go to bed at like seven, eight o'clock at night. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, <laughs> I get up at 3.30. 
Hey, hey, uh, I was three. Well, I actually, <laughs> I got up at 2.30 this morning, not on purpose. I just, I don't know. I woke yeah. up and my brain started turning and I couldn't get back to sleep. So uh, you, you better than me because I had to catch up on some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now bringing in the second co-host for the week. She also stated, you cannot put the camera on her. Or she will not talk. So she is the one that keeps the operations going. She's the one that runs the calendar. She's the one that is running all the marketing campaigns. She's the one that is doing the bread and butter affairs for everything associated with M-W Tactical. Without further ado, Coach B. What's going on, B? Hi, Michael. Hi, Dave. How have you been since the last time you've been on the show? It's good. Um, not quite as busy as the week prior um, with all the birthdays. Um, <laughs> so it's been good. Right. So, you know, without, you know, the busyness, I always said busy is good because I think busy keeps you, your mind going, but at the same time, it challenges you. And before you know it, it's over with. And then without the busy challenge going on, probably looking for the next challenge because that challenge probably was too easy for you right well three birthdays in one week that's not very easy <laughs> that's a Especially lot whenever they're teenagers yeah that's it so. right there so but um i think we're gonna have an inter- interesting conversation for this show you know so once again thank you for coming on and Hopefully within the next six episodes, we probably can convince Coach B to get on camera, <laughs> not just the microphone, but you know how it go. All right. So bringing on the third co-host for the M-W Tactical Podcast, this right here is the one we call the little assistant. She's also the one that actually tells me, do this, do that, post this, post that. And she gets mad or upset when the decision she make is not followed. And then, too, she always puts me on punishment. So I'm going to go ahead and welcome the little assistant. How's it going for you, little girl? Good. Good. That's all you're going to say. Good. Good. Oh, okay. So how was your day today? Awesome. You had an awesome day? Awesome. Yeah, so, um... We're going to do some arts and crafts here in a little bit, whereas um, we ended up getting her a baby Yoda and a little dog. So we're going to paint those later on so she can do some arts and crafts and show that art skill that she got. Very cool. So you said you wanted to do the podcast again. So here we are again. Yay! Yeah, here we are. Right <laughs> Anything you want to talk about specific? No. No? No. No. No, okay. Well, we don't have to talk about anything specific. You know, um, I do want to say, you know, um, everybody, I've been reading and seeing some stuff that's concerning to me. And, you know, as far as what's going on with the current administration where firearms are in, in play. And, oh, it's a scary state, man. This is about to get scary and hairy here in a couple next couple months. Harry. Yeah. Harry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know what y'all take on that. It's going to be, whereas um, 
when I look at it, I see a lot of stuff happening, but it's like they're working backwards for their agenda. So they stated their goal and the goal is set and they're working backwards to the agenda to now. But I believe that whole tactic of, oh, people don't understand this or they don't, they're not smart enough to do this. That's outdated. But we do need to get people active to become more proactive in the decisions that's about to be handed down, you know, from the upper leadership of government. But in the same time, you look at it, like what, what can we actually do? What are we going to do? How are the people going to come up? I don't believe in the whole marching situation, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, I, that worked back in the fifties and sixties, but I don't think it works yeah. today. No, it's you know? just, but um, I do believe like, like I said, the people need to actively stay on their elected representatives, get in their ear and Hopefully they're doing the right thing on their end. What's your take on it? I feel the same way. Um, I saw a discussion on Facebook today, but it wasn't about firearms. And it was someone um, just discussing politics and things that are happening outside of firearms. But it's got to be more than that. It's got to be people contacting their representatives to hopefully get change and to um, make these laws or let them know that they don't want these laws passed and how they feel and what they want. It's not the same as um, what they're trying to pass. Oh yeah. So we have um, somebody from overseas, they will be coming on to the, one of the next upcoming shows. And we're gonna talk about what they see overseas and how do they view what's taking place in America and comparing the laws and their way of life with firearms and everything. Um, me and this person, we actually had a conversation. It was just through chat over social media, but it really wasn't an in-depth conversation. It was, yeah, I'm willing to do it. Uh, okay, thanks. And they wrote something else, but I was driving. So I didn't even really look at the message, but um, we're going to plan that out here for the next couple of weeks so we can actually do that comparison. Um, in conversation with somebody else earlier in the week, whereas we were talking about firearms and what's taking place. And I stated to this person, you know, history repeats itself if the people are not educated and paying attention what's going on. And the person did not believe me until they looked it up. And I was like, yeah, you, you know, like um, Nazi Germany, they came to America to study how um, America was actually doing certain things, you know, during the Jim Crow era, you know? And the only difference between the two governments was America's system was put in place to keep certain people down, but at the same time, they was keeping people down. Um, they understood the platform of um, having those same people work for the monetary gain you know, but the Nazi army or the Nazi Germany, they wanted to get rid of one race of people because it was all about the pure blood and everything like that, even though it was like that here also, but 
they did it as a crime, but they wasn't going to mess up the workforce in the same sense. So it was a pretty in-depth conversation we had. And um, they was like, I had no idea. And I was like, yeah, if you don't understand history, this is what happens. But yeah, you know what I'm saying? So you got to open your eyes and you got to look at certain things in a certain way. Man, it was, it was such a uh, devastating thing that happened. And and I've mentioned that to, to people before too. And they're saying, oh no, there's no way that could happen. There's no way that could happen again. But it really was not that long ago that it happened. My, my, my grandfather was, you know, on, on, on the grounds trying to, uh, you know, help uh, protect our freedom when, when this was going on. So it wasn't, it was in, you know, two generations ago, which it was, you know, wasn't that long ago. Right. Um, But for some reason, people forget so quickly. Yeah, well, you know, like I said, um, I've always said we as Americans, we have short memories. And if it's not affecting us now, because technically when you look at a lot of people out here, and I've always said this to certain people, um, don't buy the Jordans, don't buy this, don't buy that, like expensive stuff, buy what you need, right? My philosophy of things is, okay, you got a vehicle, okay? You're not living in that vehicle, right? So I've been doing, like keeping track of the times I've drive, driven my vehicle over the past six months. The longest I've driven my vehicle was 112 hours. The shortest I've driven my vehicle was 22 hours. And that was over the course of six months, <laughs> you know? So I'm looking at it and maybe it's just the way I think and how I look at things. Why would I pay $112,000 for a vehicle just because of the name or whatever it is so other people can grope about it, look at it when I'm only in the vehicle for not even one fourth of a month, (laughs) you know? That's my my thought. (laughs) I drive a minivan because I think they're sexy. And I think mm. people enjoy watching me drive a minivan around. <laughs> so let's do this. Then. Let's let's hop in the minivan and let's do a music video. <laughs> we can recreate Jack and for beats like Ice Cube. <laughs> yeah. So um Coach B says she used to have a minivan. Yeah. 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 I had to. <laughs> Four kids. Yeah. yeah. So that's what it is. I never had a minivan. So. Oh man, you're missing out. Sense. You're missing out. <laughs> I'm miss, missing out of getting the laugh, Dad. <laughs> well, I, I can't say I actually drove a couple when I was in the military because when they would give us the vehicles to go from point A to point B for business reasons, you really didn't have a say so of what they gave you, and there was a few times where we did get the minivan so but wow, they, they work man you can get a lot of people a lot of gear in there they're, they're functional <laughs> that was the best driving vehicle i've ever had that was my minivan i call i call mine the urban assault vehicle the uav yeah. <laughs> i remember i told you that <laughs> he was like yeah look for the red urban assault vehicle i was like what that's what we call it is now <laughs> That's what it is. So let's go ahead and um, jump into a quick commercial break and come on back and hit up these main talking points for the show. And um, 
we're actually going to have an interview from the founder of Walk the Talk America, Michael Sedini, who is actually a friend of mine. And um, yeah, he has something interesting going on and it's something positive. But I think the powers to be are overlooking it, whereas we were talking about the positive change that can come within the gun laws and everything. So let's go and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we'll jump into this conversation and then hear what uh, Michael Sedini has to say about Walk the Talk America. So please stay in your seats, turn the volume up, and here are a few words from our sponsors. Mental health and guns. At Walk the Talk America, we're working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. JM4 Tactical has developed a state-of-the-art polymer holster that will quickly become your go-to holster. With high-quality Hermit Oak leather, securely sewn to the interior of the molded outer Bolteron shell, your draw becomes silent and no more scratches up and down your firearm. When seconds count, you can rest assured that you will have the upper hand when you need it most. Whether you carry open or concealed, the Relic Holster is available in four different models, fitting over hundreds of different style guns. The new reliable, easy, light, individual carry holster by JM4 Tactical. Order your Relic today at jm4tactical.com. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie, and it's going to be about our day-to-day -day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting GoFundMe.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people. Welcome back to segment two of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And before we go any further, I owe everyone an apology because last week we were supposed to have an interview with Jam4 Tactical. But if you're following the news or even live in Texas, you understand what's taking place in Texas right now with the bad weather. And when the interview was supposed to take place, that was when they lost power. So... I apologize for not having an interview um, segment last week, but we're going to actually get JM4 Tactical on in, in the upcoming weeks as well. So, but for everybody who's living out in Texas, um, everyone is in our prayers. And if you need help, reach out. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be organizations that go ahead and um, come forth 
to render that assistance for those who are in need. Now, um, pushing forward with the conversation, as we said at the beginning of the show, we have the South Carolina state match that is coming forth 30 April through 2 May. And are you actually doing anything special to train up for the match? Or are you expecting something from a shooter standpoint, but not a match director standpoint? Oh, man, I'm so involved in the match. It's it's hard for me to even think about from a shooter's standpoint. Yeah. <laughs> I, I try to. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about it, but there, there's so much stuff going on with, with directing the match and, and, and making sure the thing, you know, mm-hmm. goes smoothly. It, um, I don't know. I really... <laughs> maybe when we get a little bit closer i can kind of you know once we get things kind of kind of ironed out i can i can focus a little more on training for it yeah for me um right now even though i'm thinking about the match i'm not thinking about it like i was for area six or nationals last year no it's um, hard to do yeah because it's, it's so much behind the scenes stuff that we're both doing for south carolina section match and constantly on the phones with people, the emails, and then doing various things for the different companies. It is interesting. It is busyness, but it's fun in the same sense of speaking. But I am looking at it as I can see where it will take away from the shooting aspect. No, of yeah, things, yeah, you know? it definitely will. Yeah, because one thing that is actually taken away from is my workout platform. Yeah. And I might have to... um take a page from your book like I used to do in the military which is wake up earlier to get that hour hour and a half workout in and then let my day start it's a I didn't want to do that but it was the only way I could I could fit in you know the the time the training time that consistently it's the only way I could keep it consistent um I just couldn't do it in the afternoon right well how are you looking at it um coach b far as your involvement with the behind the scenes and the shooter aspect of it? Well, as far as um, the shooters aspect, I haven't um, been doing the dry fire like I should, um, which I've stated earlier that I have a personal goal that, you know, I'm trying to meet. So Mm -hmm. um, that has to come first before shooting. Um, So, um, Hopefully that's going to be done in March and then I can get into dry firing regularly. Um, And if I have to get up an hour early to make that happen, (laughs) then uh, maybe we'll make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, like I I did find a reconnection with dry fire as well and doing the whole trying to get the reload in as fast as I can. And I think I'm nipping at the 0.85 mark you know um i did take it down to point point nine zero i think it was and now when i do it i won't touch the clock so i wait until coach b comes around or i hit her up and be like hey i'm about to do dry fire i need your help and i give her the clock but sometimes she'll be messing with me so it'll be like beep 
when I reset, as soon as I put my hand, beep, <laughs> like, oh, you gotta let me get ready. I'm throwing magazines <laughs> in the wall and knocking over stuff. <laughs> so, um, of course, she's sitting over there laughing and everything. I was like, yeah, okay, I don't see you over here doing it with me. <laughs> you know? But um, I, I did find a, a re-emerging of dry fire also. So, and I'm about to put the target stands back up in the backyard and run around the backyard like we did last year. But since I did start working out, I bulked up a lot also. So, and the other day I was changing the oil in the truck and I'm like, I don't recall ever having a hard time getting down and getting back up. So what's going on? <laughs> you need to make sure you're stretching. Yeah, I'm, I'm stretching. But at the same time, I realized how much I bulked up also. So, um, my normal weight was between 200 and 215, maybe 220 on a bad day. Um, the other day, we stepped on the scale and I was at 236. But I did have jeans on. I had my keys in my wallet. You know, all that stuff is heavy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to let you know <laughs> all that stuff is heavy. <laughs> but um, I was at 236. So, um, but I think um, here next week, I'm going to turn up the notch on um, working out because I have to do something. Um, I'm starting to feel a little sluggish also. I I had plans. I really just still have plans. But, man, the weather has been so bad for I don't know how long now, at least two weeks. Hi there. I see you. <laughs> I haven't, um, you know, I cleared out all that, the property behind or extra property behind the fence. I've got another half acre I have set up and I have target stands and stuff out there with plans to, you know, do a lot of movement and exercise out there. But man, it's been raining almost every single day for the last two weeks. Yeah. It's old. It's just, I haven't been able to get out there. Yeah. Well, you know, um, last week when it was raining, I went out back and I did pull-ups in the rain. I might eventually just get to that point where I, I got to go out in the rain. I don't care. Yeah, actually, I was waiting. Um, I was waiting on Coach B to come over, and I was thinking when she came over, she was going to actually see me doing it and try to catch it on camera or something. But um, when she came over, she was like, oh, you tired? You did pull-ups? Like, hmm, yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so it is what it is, but – South Carolina State match, um, it's coming up, as we said, and we're going to prepare for it the best that we can. But from a staff standpoint, I do believe that we're going to put together 10 stages that will be action-packed, fun for everyone, and not it's not going to break the bank when it comes to the round count for 10 stages. No, we kept the round count, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know, a medium round count. I don't can't remember now but i don't think we have a 32 round stage maybe one no no i think the highest one was 28 28 okay i can't remember but yeah um you know they're not all 32 round stages um i do love pulling the trigger i wish we could have all 32 round stages but you know it's just we're trying you know trying to make it possible you know, to, to come shoot, we're not, we're not demanding a lot of high round count and the, all the stages have now been approved by USPSA. The match is official. It's, um, 
all looking good. We went, um, you know, had some had some critiques and stuff we had to address, and everything's looking good now. There's nothing crazy, no crazy props or you know weird stuff going on, but it'll be challenging and and um, from from a shooter's perspective, you know, you need to be on your game. We're not doing anything, you know, carnival wise, but you know, you got to be able to shoot. Also, Blazon, who is one of the match sponsors, they are giving their spot up. And we got to come up with a way to give that spot up to somebody who can be the lucky winner of that spot. And so their shooters, their shooter spot? Yeah, for the Blazon shooter spot for the match. Okay. So um, we just got to figure out what we got to do. So if anything, head on over to Instagram and follow at M underscore W tactical and at CSRA shooters and stay tuned to what we're going to put out as far as what we can possibly do to make this an interesting challenge for people to partake in to possibly win a free spot at the South Carolina sectional. Free slot at the sectional. Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Belton gun club. (laughs) <laughs> Belton, South Carolina. Excellent. Yeah, so I, I think between the three of us, we can come up with something, you know, outside of me joking and y'all two being serious all the time. <laughs> 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 yeah, so um, there was an article that I came across earlier, and this was a touching article to me, and I touched a little bit on it at the, in the first portion of the show, whereas New Jersey has it was a judge in New Jersey who ordered Smith and Wesson to hand over documents on how to how they market their firearms. Now the first time they went to court, Smith and Wesson won. But then I think it was the district attorney came back and said they gotta hand that stuff over now. When I marketing plans? Yeah, well when I look at that, this is what I look at it as that somebody had got with somebody and then when it got to the court the attack is going to happen in reverse measures you know what i'm saying so if you can look at how these firearm companies are marketing now you know who to target to make that not happen to deter sales which will eventually erode that company in a sense of speaking from a backwards standpoint hmm. you know that's one way to look at it um, the other way, like I said, it's just a backwards attack because they already stated what the agenda will be, but now how are you going to get to that agenda if you try to go forward and play it properly, right? So if the system is what the system is, if the people come together and the majority of them say, we don't want this, of course, it's not going to happen. But in a reality world, if they're working at the agenda backwards, more than likely they're going to reach that goal. But this is when the people need to become active so they don't reach that goal. But I also believe the Second Amendment is the gateway to changing the other amendments. So if you happen to change the Second Amendment behind like this nonsense and doing all that, now you're starting you're starting to infringe on people's rights now, in a sense of speaking. Yeah, yeah. This is is totally our, our civil right. Yeah. Um and it is scary. 
and um I, I i'm sure people have heard that you know the the second amendment is in place to protect the rest of the amendments we've just about lost the first amendment mm-hmm. our freedom of speech just about gone now yeah um you know it, it if, we, if we lose the second amendment i you can you can just about bet that the rest of them are gone oh yeah most definitely man um the thing that catches me is is when you read um i can't remember the number the hr bill for the new um the 157 is that what it is now uh, for whatever reason i was thinking 415 but whatever the number is when you go back and you read the outline of everything that's changing it only 120, affects 127 127 it, it only affects um us and when I say us, um, like we're not millionaires, you know, some of us are barely making it, you know, um, we are living comfortable, but how many people are barely on that comfortable line, you know, but now if they happen to impose this tax that they're saying, that's going to be like $800 a year. And then you got to get 24 hour training, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's bleeding you dry right there. It's just money. It's yeah, that's what it all comes down to is money and control. That's but that's all it is. If it they're not even approaching this as like a realistic anything to like help yes prevent gun violence or or whatever they used to they used to come up with, you know. This is just taxing and money. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Here here's the part that gets me. Okay. Now, what if you have the handicapped person who is an amputee or confined to a wheelchair, all right? Mm-hmm. Now, if that law was to come in and take away the firearms, now where does that leave that person? What about the single mother who has two to three children, right, living in whatever neighborhood in a home by themselves, and people know this? you know or what about the the guy who's getting off the bus late at work i mean late at night after a hard day's work and now he gets off the bus he still has to walk five miles to get home right you see what i'm saying where i'm going with it yeah i mean well that's why yeah yeah Yeah. it's sickening yeah it is it really is so um but it's i wish these politicians would come together and say hey look let's bring in these people and from the firearms community and hear what they have to say and of course this is what we're presenting right which they see as the problem this is our solution what we could do you know and i think one of the positive aspects for this change is uh, michael sedini with wolf to talk america you know, and I think he needs to be on any committee, whereas they're talking about any type of um, change in a positive direction, right? That's you know, most of the stuff that's presented comes from the House of Representatives. Um, for some reason that I don't know, but most of them know absolutely nothing about firearms, and and that's. Right that's what bothers me the most it's it's the people that know nothing about what they're wanting to try to control and regulate do not need to be the ones creating 
these these laws and, and proposing these bills, well, regardless of whatever it is, firearms or anything else. I mean, you need some kind of subject matter experts involved with with these bills and, and what you're trying to to regulate. But they're not doing that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, the downside to it is, is how many people are going to try to make it a known point, whereas, okay, look, I'm contacting this representative. This right here is what we're going to do, blah, 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 right? I've, I reached out like six times already and stated, hey, this is what I'm willing to do so we can actually talk and show you what's actually going on because now it at first the attack was on the bad guy you know with the firearm the gang members with the firearm people who are not supposed to have firearms now the attack is on the honest citizen trying to do the right thing yeah <laughs> you know so as a whole people trying to legally purchase and own firearms what yeah that's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So um it's one of those um like I said, one of those measures whereas if you're not really looking at it, it's gonna slip away. It's gonna slip away. So um it has in just about every other country in the world. Yes. And that's every time you turn around, like why are we not doing what they do in Australia or why are we not doing what they do in Greenland? Look at what's taking place in there. They have all the crimes that's happening there. They're not even reporting half of it, <laughs> you know, especially not the the mainstream big attacks like all the killings and everything. You know? I don't know where our listeners from um, that we're having on the show, but I've, I've talked to a couple of people that are from Brazil who have, have moved here from Brazil. And there is so much crazy crime in, in Brazil because of oh, the... Man. Um, you know, the gun restrictions, the criminals there know that the majority of citizens there are not armed. They're not allowed to be armed legally, not allowed to own firearms. So they can pretty much just do whatever they want to do. Yeah. So we were supposed to go to Brazil, you know, with the um, gym that I'm with. And we was going to go down there and just stay down there for a little bit, train up a little bit and do a couple competitions down there. For the jiu-jitsu, because that's real, that's real big. A lot of that comes yeah. from Brazil. Yeah. They was pretty much telling us, like if we was to go there, the area we were supposed to be at, we couldn't just walk around by ourselves. We had to have somebody like escort us. And we was like, well, well we got to come up with a better plan. And that was one of the talking points was, you will get jacked. And it isn't like it is here, whereas they'll pull the firearm out on you and just rob you and then leave. Like they more than likely that they pull the firearm out on you, they're going to shoot you to slow you down. And then they rob you and then they leave. You know? I know. Well, they know there's nothing that yeah, anyone know, can do to stop they, it. So. Yeah, exactly. So that's what it comes <laughs> down to. Well, what you got to say, coach B? I feel like um, part of it is the politicians and stuff until something happens to them or you know, someone, one of their loved ones, they're not going to see what we see. Yeah. And it's kind of that whole me mentality. Well, it doesn't affect me. And it's not until it does affect them that they'll see that everyone has a right to carry a firearm or to bear arms, that that is a right that we should have. Well, you know, well, one thing about those politicians also is, is the fact when 
they're all millionaires, of course, because right. you know you're a lawmaker. <laughs> you go in, average citizen, and you come out a millionaire. The other side of still it is still not quite sure how that happens. Yeah, it, exactly. They don't get paid that much, supposedly. <laughs> but they we, don't. They don't. Yeah. Well, they're not know, the but... lobbyists. It's that's what it is. <laughs> the lobbyists they pay off them to swing certain things their way, so that's how they make certain monies. You know. Um, but even when you turn around and you look at it, I believe politicians need term limits. It right. t- takes the corruption out. Um, it actually have everything flowing better because, and this is the same conversation I had a couple days ago with the same person I said previous. I don't understand how we're still having the same conversation from what took place in the 50s and 60s. And the narrative is still the same. The conversations are still the same. And nothing's changed in between. Well, you got some, really, you got some of the same people in office from the season exactly. right. That's what I'm saying. We need <laughs> term limits. We need term limits. But um, what else you what else you had to say there, Coach B? Um, but it seems like they're targeting firearms as a mental health issue, also. Oh, yeah, yeah. I heard that the other day as well. So, and even I heard the president say that. And then I heard other people saying that, like, um, I forgot what the press secretary name is, the female, but she's pretty much said the same thing also is they're trying to lump it all under the mental issue. And I'm like, oh, are you trying to say everybody got a firearm has a mental issue? <laughs> so I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I somewhat understand, you know, you have to be careful. Um, there, there are a lot of mental illnesses that, you know, you're you're seeing a lot of crime from or whatever, but it's man, that's really touchy um, it, it, subject to. I don't know, I don't it, know. It you is. you can't just lump firearm owners into, into some yeah. sort of mental illness because you you feel like you need to protect yourself. Well, if they, if, I already know how the argument's going to go. You know, well, we had this many school shootings and this many people died behind firearms and, you know, and then they're going to use certain scenarios and it's always going to be more negative than positive. But in that same breath, um, uh, if you was to prosecute people properly, you wouldn't have the problem you have now. Exactly. You know, so like if somebody shot up a school, prosecute that joker to the full extent of the law and watch when your next one's going to happen. But when so-and-so is getting a smack on the wrist, that leaves the door open for the copycat to come in. Mm-hmm. Now he gets a smack on the wrist and it just keeps going. No, prosecute, you know, prosecute those guys yeah. to the full extent of the law, right? And that's going to deter that stuff from happening, right? Ask me how I know, because when I was a kid, whenever my brother did something wrong and I saw the butt spanking he got, no, I ain't doing that. I ain't going over there. <laughs> You know, I ain't touching that. <laughs> it deterred me from doing that as being bad as a yeah. kid. You know, well, the 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 some of the publicity that the, the media gives these guys even um, you know builds builds on others. They think, well, um, they might could outdo outdo this guy that did the school shooting to get more publicity. It's um, yeah, but, the, the yeah, media I mean, pushes some of that stuff too. Yeah, but that we already know negativity sells controversy is always going to sell you know because once again i've always said people are nosy you know when it comes to our way of life and 
common point is when you're driving down the road, let an accident happen or a cop got somebody pulled over. Let it be on the interstate. You're almost going to come to a complete stop oh until my you gosh, pass that, that incident. That drives me crazy. Yeah. People rubbernecking and at the same time, they're just being nosy. Why? You know? But all in all, when you turn around and you look at it, it's not a mental issue. It's not the blame on the gun. It's the blame on the people. And it's on both sides. But what needs, I believe what needs to take place is both sides need to come together, meaning the gun community and the politicians come to a resolution and then make the law off of the resolution and then see what happens. I think that would be great, but how would, how would that ever happen? How could it happen? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> all right so first of all you know how you always have all these senate hearings and everything so they have these panels and that's how the interactions takes place so they'll bring in so many um subject matter experts and you'll sit there in like a little hearing and they'll ask questions you know pros and cons but at the same time they have subject matter experts like for instance if they say, well, we want the staff of M-W Tactical to come to D.C. to sit in on the Senate hearing, right? So now it would be me, you, and Coach B, and we give our perspective or whatever. But now sitting across the side of us, it might be mom. Like mom's a demand, what is it? The mo- mom's demand action. Yeah, those people. Yeah, so they might be on the other side countering everything we're trying to say. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's your argument and whoever is listening that panel, which would be like about nine, 12 people, whoever is assigned to it, they're actually asking the questions and they're coming up with their narrative and then they're listening. And then of course, by the time you hit the lobby, somebody will tag you and pull you to the side and be like, hey, we wanna talk to you more about this. If they feel like you are in their respective lane, you know? But then again, they could pull you aside and say, we want to talk to you more about this in a positive light. And then when they're talking to you, they're taking everything you're saying and say, okay, we need to counter this, 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 and this. <laughs> so it can work for and against you as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, but um, but that's that's the first part of it. The the well, the actual very first part of it is um the citizens need to contact those elected representatives. I don't know how many times we got to say it. But I'm going to keep saying it until it actually happens. Everybody needs to call their elected representatives and give them a piece of your mind as to what's going on up there in Capitol Hill. So I know I'd be giving um, Coach B an earful because I'd be calling. <laughs> I'd be like, let me, let me tell you what I just read. Let me tell you what I just saw. This ain't right. <laughs> and she just sits back and be like, mm-hmm, yeah, I hear you. I agree, I agree. <laughs> knowing she over there playing solitary on the phone or something, ain't paying me no mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, another aspect of um, positive change as far as that's going, I think, as I stated earlier, Michael Sedini with Walk to Talk America, he has a lot of positive insight as to what we could do for those who are willing to come forth and you know, make that positive change, you know? So what if somebody is with their significant other, they're having an argument, they're ex-military and they have a state of depression going on. 
like he he got like programs in place what they can do um to help everybody so it's a win-win for the community on both sides of the fence you know so um i want to go ahead and um jump into this conversation with mike and introduce them to people who don't know much about walk to talk america and open their eyes and get everybody involved with his mission so i think i think this will be interesting so um yeah, you anything else you, yeah yeah so you have anything else you want to share or um discuss before we take off coach b no i'm good Thanks. all right what about you little assistant yeah you don't have anything okay yeah all right cool I want to know what you had for dinner. Uh-oh, what did you have go. for dinner? Chick-fil-A. 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 Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Only reason we had Chick-fil-A is because um, I forgot to lay out some food to uh, cook. <laughs> That's right. Chick-fil-A would take care of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I was more like, what do you want to eat? So, she said, Wendy's or Chick-fil-A. So, we chose Chick-fil-A. It's hard to beat. Yeah, that's what I say. <laughs> All right. So, like we said. um Delicious. Everybody, please go follow at CSRA Shooters on Instagram and Facebook, CSRA Shooters. And also go follow at M underscore W Tactical on Instagram and then just M dash W Tactical on Facebook. And stay tuned to what we're going to put out far as what would take place for someone to possibly get the free shooter slot from Blazon for the 2021 South Carolina sectional taking place at Belt and Gun Club 30 April through 2 May. All right, so if you will, turn up the volume, sit back in your seats, put your vehicles on cruise control, and listen to these words from our sponsors. Yo, 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 this is Keita Bussy, and you are listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. What's up, good people? Thank you for taking the time and listening to the M-W Tactical Podcast. Please, go visit the M-W Tactical store at www.m-wtactical.com forward slash store and help support our efforts by purchasing a shirt or two. If you haven't done so, go follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for M-W Tactical. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The gun cleaners. Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another and you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating crowded or uninviting there's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds the gruff salesmen and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. 
CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. I'm Jason Pratt, Masterclass USPSA shooter, owner of Brass Monkey Bullets. If you're interested in competition bullets, visit www.brassmonkeybulletsllc.com or call me at 423-967-1063. For more information, my email is brassmonkeybulletsllc@gmail.com. Thank you. What's up, good people? This is Michael Woodland from M-W Tactical. This is Coach B from M-W Tactical. And we are asking for your help with two GoFundMe campaigns that we have started. The first one is we are making a professional movie, and it's going to be about our day-to-day -day life within the sport of shooting. Details about this campaign can be found by visiting GoFundMe.com forward slash we are making a professional movie. The second campaign, we are asking for you to donate to give financial assistance for those who cannot financially get the training they deserve. Remember, there are a lot of first-time gun owners out there, and I am asking for everyone in the gun industry to come together and make our community stronger. For more details, visit GoFundMe.com forward slash free firearms training. Remember how important training is to keep everyone informed and safe. All right, good people. Thank you for coming back for segment three of the M-W Tactical Podcast. And as we said earlier in the show, we have someone that is a subject matter expert when it comes to the mental side of shooting. And I'm not saying the mental side of shooting, like focus and squeeze the trigger, but do eight other things at one time. When I say the mental side, I'm talking about the health side. Whereas a lot of people look at things as being the negative or the caveat to stay away from, you know? So this guy is someone who I've spoken with many, many times beforehand. And every time we get together, conversation just flows. So don't be surprised if this episode of the podcast goes over three hours, <laughs> you know? So Without further ado, I want to bring my buddy, my friend, Michael Sedini from Walk the Talk America to the M-W Tactical Podcast. How's it going for you, Mike? I'm good, Mike. Thank you for having me. This is kind of long overdue. Oh, I yeah, figured. man. Um, I, From the time I actually started the M-W Tactical Podcast, I had to figure out the, the true direction I wanted it to go. You know, so first couple of episodes um, from season one was nothing more than trying to figure out how can I figure out my place within the podcast community. Season two, I kind of got a, a grasp on it and understood it a little bit better. Season three, I'm in full swing. I'm ready to do it now. So therefore, I'm bringing you and everybody I know on 
to tell their story, their journey. No, that's awesome, man. And thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk today. We, You're right. You hit a nail on the head. When we do get into conversations, we get into some pretty deep stuff. And oh, okay. <laughs> it's like us sitting at a bar or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it right there. Yeah. Um, especially like that one time we was at SHOT Show and like, the, the people that were walking past us and everybody looking at us and we just sitting there talking like, yeah, yeah, yeah we're we doing this, we're doing that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so, great. You find you have a lot in common with people too sometimes, you know, beyond yeah. just the uh, love for the shooting sports and, you know, the firearms industry itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's it right there. That's the bottom line. That's pretty much what it comes down to, just the connection with people. But then again, you never know who can help you out. And sometimes a simple high is enough to make somebody smile and put things in perspective to get them to get active or motivated to do certain things. Oh, hundred uh, percent. I mean, you know, I work in the suicide prevention and you know, mental health aspect of a lot of things. And you'd be shocked at how many people were in crisis and they said, Hey, I, I was going to go do this or something terrible. And I, I just wanted somebody to even just say, Hey, how are you? Right. You know, like those are stories that stick with me all the time. It's like never underestimate the power of just giving somebody a few seconds, a conversation, you know, never underestimate the power of hi. <laughs> How are you? Um, hi has got me in trouble so many different times on so many different levels. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I had to force a hi to get um, the point across on something else. And I'll tell you about that one offline when we're um, sitting there. And it was a military story also. Right. Yeah. So um, can you tell the good people more about who is Mike Sedini and what is Walk the Talk America? Okay. I am a third generation uh, firearms industry professional. Basically, my family owned company called Eagle Imports. I was a product of nepotism. It worked out well for me, um, but I never was a gun person growing up, believe it or not. And in looking back on it, my family wasn't, they weren't into firearms either. Uh, you know, you look at it, they knew, they knew enough and they were dangerous. Like they knew enough to, to, to navigate through the business world of it, but they weren't shooters. They didn't go to the range. They didn't go hunting. You know, we're all from New Jersey, um, pretty much grew up in, in urban areas, cities, uh, you know, for me growing up in New Jersey and then spending a lot of formative years in California, I just didn't have access to firearms in terms of being able to do those things, go hunting, kind of get into the culture. So when I went to Arizona state, I graduated, it was assumed that I was going to go into the family business, kind of got thrown into it. Um, didn't love it at first, just because when you're young, you think, I don't know if I want to do this the rest of my life. I don't know if I just want to work in the family business. So I left, I, st I stayed for, you know, I, I went in for like a year and took off, did a bunch of other things that actually helped me business wise, because I ended up going and working for other people. Mm -hmm. I had expectations and demands of me that my family were, they would have never put on me, you know, right. um, you know, you think about it being like a, glorified secretary making 40k out of college not a bad gig i probably should have kept my mouth shut and just <laughs> rolled with it but i'm glad i got out and and like i said working for other people um you kind of understand what it's like to put real work in came back and um you know eventually became the president of the company um you know i was an owner 
And then in 2018, because we had some tragedy in 2009, the reason why I'd become president of the company is because my current president at the time took his life uh, with a firearm. And uh, it kind of forced me into the role to move move into the president role, not just owner and kind of employee of the company. And that's something that always stuck with me. You know, it, our industry, we have a lot of first responders. We have a lot of vets. We deal with a lot of suicide by firearm. And it's one of those things that we don't want it used and weaponized against us. Um, so for many years, you know, we just kept quiet about those things. It was like, it was like Bigfoot, right? Like it was mythical. Like you didn't talk about it. You kind of just, yeah, you know, it exists, but we can't really talk about it or we can't mourn. We can't do these things because we don't want people to be like, yeah, see firearms, bad, you know, equate to bad. Uh, and I always thought that was odd, especially because we hold our first responders and active duty military and, and, you know, combat vets so near and dear to us as an industry, you know what it's like, mm -hmm. you go to SHOT Show, you're walking around, especially you, Mike. I mean, you you walk that talk. You know what I mean? Like you <laughs> you know you know how it is. Like there's a lot of of these people that have this that that flock to this industry because they trust it, mm -hmm. right? Um, and and you know what it's like uh, to lose the the people you hold dear. So chance meeting in 2018 with a lady in New Orleans. Um, she was sitting at dinner with, with me and my national sales manager, Rafael Valle. She said, uh, hey, I don't know anything about guns. You guys, can you explain to me like what happens during a mass shooting? And, you know, of course we were, we were 11 drinks deep <laughs> at minimum. He said, hey, everybody blames us. We blame the mental health community and nothing ever happens and people just die. And she, she goes, well, if you know it's not you, and you know, it's the mental health thing. Like, how do you work? You must work hand in hand with the mental health community to find solutions. And of course we were like, no, not really. Like, <laughs> you know, it's two separate things. Um, but that, that, that question changed my life. And I became obsessed with the idea of how can we work with the mental health community to make earth better in a sense. Right. Um, my initial reaction was, well, because my national sales manager goes, yeah, Mike, you should give like a dollar a gun to mental health, right? He said that at the table. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, yeah, I could do that. And I could probably lean on a few other companies that I know because I've been in the industry for so long. I could probably get them to chip in too. And what if we were to work with the mental health side of things and, and give them the money they need? Because everything I had read said mental health has been defunded over the years mm -hmm. um, and go from there. Well, it turns out like, it was a novel idea, but it wasn't realistic because they didn't have, they don't have the answers as well. You can't just hand money to somebody. It's just like everything in life. You don't always get to hand money and fix it. Mm -hmm. um, but that forced me to look at the firearms industry and say, well, what are the things we can, can do? How can we work with those in the mental health community without dealing with legislation? What are some unique solutions we can come up with ourselves uh, to break the stigma of you know, mental health and also break the stigma of firearms ownership. We're both too highly stigmatized. One's an industry, one's a community, right? Or one, can, they both can be considered industries, but mental health community sounds a lot better because really that's really what it is. Um, 
we run parallel to each other, but we don't communicate. And uh, that's what I was here to change. Uh, you know, it became kind of my calling. So that's that's the story in a nutshell, right? I think that's the yeah, yeah. That's that's perfect right there. So that opens up a lot of questions, especially after the election with the current administration and what's about to take place with the message from the current president as to what he stated to Congress as far as coming up with new gun laws or stricter gun laws. Now, has anybody from a political, the well, let me put it, has anybody from the political realm contacted Walk to Talk America in regards to um, talking about a possible solution or what you see compared to what they see? Not really. We had one instance where someone who is actually uh, Underwood out of Illinois, she has notoriously taken an anti-gun stance on many things, mm -hmm. but she did contact, or she didn't personally, but her people contacted Walk Talk America because they wanted an endorsement on a bill that would provide gun 101 training to mental health professionals that work within the VA, mm -hmm. which even though she notoriously had an anti-gun stance, that is something I actually can get behind if they do it. You know, I put in the letter of endorsement, if you provide the class similar to what we provide at Walk to Talk America, we have a class for mental health clinicians that teaches them gun 101. It's a class that would be insanely boring for you. Right. <laughs> you probably could teach it, but especially right. the part where it's like, you know, the handling of guns and the difference between semi-automatic and automatic and all those things. But that was the first interaction I had with any kind of politician. Now, my assumption with the traction that Walk to Talk America has gotten, and now that we're almost three years old, um, I'm hearing rumblings about politicians who want to sit down and talk to me um, that have interest in, in talking, because here's the deal. Uh, the restrictions and the laws that we currently have in the books or all these wacky things like HR 127, mm -hmm. they're not going, they're not working. You know, if we saw a decline in suicide by firearm over the years, you can tie it to this works. It's going like this, right? So I kind of bring this, this attitude of let's bring something new to this. Right, because the, the definition of sanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. And that's really what we keep doing. We keep playing the merry-go-round game with these laws. And many of these laws, they don't even realize that it's stigmatize mental health. They're racist, <laughs> you know, they're elitist. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I'm here to point that out, but I'm giving it a different look, man. You know, like you you'd be really shocked at how we're changing minds of those that are either gun neutral, but lean more to the restriction side or anti-gun. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I had a conversation not too long ago and, you know, one of the biggest questions now being proposed is there's a shortage of ammo. And a lot of people are starting to say that shortage of ammo is coming from all the first time gun buyers. So this conversation went deeper into that. So we was starting to discuss how many people were against firearms at the beginning when the pandemic happened? Now, all those people who was against firearms are now trying to get a firearm to protect themselves because now they actually see how the stuff can hit the fan. Right. right? 
But now with that conversation that was in place, and once again, with the current administration, when they actually stated that the problem is the health side, they were trying to blame firearms for being a health issue, mental health issue, right? How does that sit with you in regards to everything that built up to now? Well, it's not, it's not as easy as being able to say it's a mental health issue. It's a very nuanced conversation. So it never really sits well when people on either side, right, on the, the firearm side dismiss everything as a mental health issue, as I did right when i first started this and then on the other side too sometimes the politicians even the anti um anti-gun ones they don't realize like what they're doing is adding stigma to the mental health issue right um it never has sit it took me a while to get it and i'll uh, let me give you an example um when we think about like a mass shooter right mm -hmm. we think that it has to be a mental health issue and yes, like it, it, at some point we all have to agree, like that's not normal behavior, right? Something happened, something got somebody there. But here's the deal, unless that person has been diagnosed, we don't know if there is a mental health issue and we'll never know, that's a guessing game. Right. And when I first got into this business, I, I was really trying to find answers because I would talk to people, hey, you know, mental health clinicians, like some famous ones, I would say, look, if this isn't a mental health issue, how can I go back to my people, the firearms industry people, and explain it to them so it makes sense? Because I think everyone would agree that it, it does seem like a mental health issue when people go off the rails, right, when they're in crisis. And what they explained to me was there's 200 different diagnoses of like mental health issues. Arachnophobia is considered a mental health issue. Really? Like fear of spiders. <laughs> yes. <Seriously>? Yes. <laughs> so that's when it becomes an issue when you kind of paint it with one brush, right? Like this is mental health. And the best example someone gave me one time to really make it click in my head is they said, you could take 10 people who have schizophrenia mm -hmm. and you can hand them a firearm and say, hey, keep this in your house, like use it for protection. And they could go their whole lives without doing a thing with it without hurting somebody, right? I could come home one day and catch my wife in bed with my best friend and go into crisis mode and do something stupid, right? Right? And I don't, I don't, I've, I've never been diagnosed with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or anything like that. So it's a nuanced conversation, right? But the thing is, is that we can't, we can't just dismiss everything as it's a mental health issue. Right. I think it's, it's, we need to, to come together and figure out when is the best time for people to get mental health treatment and can they, you know, um, I like to call it like before stage four, right? You don't wait till stage four to go get help. Unfortunately, a lot of people wait till stage four when it comes to like cancer and it's mm -hmm. too late. Um, and we could do the same thing with our minds, right? We could just look for innovative solutions to get people the help they need when they're in crisis without fear of consequence. And I think that will make all the world a difference. Now, having said that, I am not sure we'll ever solve the suicide issue. Right. So when people ask me, what is your goal? Is it to, to reduce suicide? I think it's silly for me to sit up here and say, 
yeah, I want to reduce suicide. I want to reduce suicide by firearm. You see what I mean? It's a difference. I'm not sure if we could do the other thing. Uh, now, I'm, I'm no expert when it comes to the mental health side of things. And by being a leader in the military, this is one of the topics they hit on all the time. And it's one of those type situations, whereas if somebody even hints around to it, you have to take it serious, even if you know the person probably isn't serious, you know, and one lesson that it taught me a big lesson was when I was in basic training, I was platoon guide at this time frame, and, you know, drill sergeants would mess with you all hours of the night, so you're only getting maybe two or three hours of sleep on certain days. One of the other soldiers woke me up and stated another soldier was wanting to kill themselves. And where I'm from, Newport News, Virginia, you know, it's almost like Missouri. You have to show it to me to prove it to me, right? So what I actually said to the soldier was, wake me up when he do it and we'll deal with it then. And I got in trouble for making that statement. And the drill sergeant actually showed me in the regulations and everything that stated, like, this is something serious. You can't, even though where you're from and people say stuff like that and they only seeking attention, by this being like a Fortune 500 company, being the military, you have to take every instance serious because if you don't, that's where you find the gaps in your organization. You know, so I was like, okay, okay, okay. But like I said, it was a learning lesson for me. So even when I'm talking to people, if something doesn't sit well with me, I'm going to say something to somebody else and get their opinion. And then, of course, we go ahead and we approach it or de-escalate it or whatever situation may be. Right, which is is such a weird dynamic because, I, you know, for the listeners, I, I've never been part of the military. I would have never made it in the military. <laughs> um, uh, but I do appreciate the fact that you guys are taught, like, not to show weakness, right? Right. Uh, you're, to keep pushing through when it's at its worst. Um, I can see how that could be very confusing for you, especially if that's how you came up, if that was the culture of your neighborhood, right? Like it, if it was, hey, you got to deal with this. Like this isn't a, that's a you problem, not a me problem. <laughs> like, um, so it makes perfect sense. And I think that's always been the weird issue. You know, hey, be a killer, be out there defending the nation, uh, be tough as nails, then be really super sensitive when <laughs> it, it, it's confusing. So I, I, don't, I don't fault you at all for, you know, having that thought process back then. I'm glad that you're able to grow from it and, and learn, right? Because some people can't. Right. I mean, I, I have family members that would have never, ever admitted what you just admitted. Like I had to learn, they would have just doubled down all the time. Like, <laughs> you know, I was raised by some tough Italian guys. Like that's, that was the mentality. You couldn't break. You couldn't say I'm having these thoughts. So it's a it's a it's an interesting dynamic. It's really tough. Um, I like how you tied it back to a Fortune 500 business too, right? That that's a real eye opener. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, that, that, that's one thing how I've always looked at the military because whenever a scandal or something happened in those big organizations, now you start seeing the wheels turn and you start seeing the change happen, which is we can't have this happen again. 
but let's put parameters in place to catch it before it does, you know, get to that level. But if we can intercept it right before um, there are, because everything you do, there's signs. Something is a clue somewhere in there, you know, and that's just how I've always pictured everything and looked at everything. You know? Let me ask you this question. Um, so you were, you were a leader, you led, right? People came to you with, with issues. Um, with having that kind of background and mindset of like, hey, we're here to win. Like, that's really what it is, right? We're here to win at everything we do. We're here to accomplish our goals and, and complete our missions. And then that's, that's the mentality. Like, as you grew in that role, were you able to, like certain people need a kick in the butt, right? Like when I played football, my coach knew he could scream at me. It motivated me to play better. And then they're like, I'd have other kids like on the team where I'm like, if I would have done that, he would have broke a clipboard over my head. But this kid, he's like, totally like, Hey, like, <laughs> it's okay. You'll get the next one. And I'm like, where's that energy with me? <laughs> you know, did you have to, did you have to kind of play puppet master, like understanding who would, was soft and maybe who you could just be like, Oh, yeah. Not my problem. Oh, yeah, yeah. So now when I say I was a leader in the military, because when you talk to certain people, you know, everybody, everybody's a leader in the military, which is a true statement, you know. But the point I'm talking about when I was a leader in the military, I was the E7. So I'm working directly with a platoon leader who is an officer, and I got like 30 or 40 soldiers under me, you know. So now look at all the different personalities you got to deal with within your little cubicle. Now, outside of that cubicle, I still have to deal with the first sergeant, the commander, the sergeant major, the battalion sergeant major, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So right. it's, it's many different faucets. And as you're moving everything around, you have to know how to talk to the different personalities, not to trigger somebody, not to be put in a negative light, but at the same time, when I'm doing something, I know I have to talk to this person a little bit more gentle than I talk to this person because I don't want them to, you know, mess up anything or think themselves as a failure or something wrong with them. Or I don't want to put this person in charge because I know he has somewhat of an attitude problem and he's going to go upside somebody's head if they don't talk to him the right way. Mm -hmm. so, you know, you, you, you really have to understand people in a leadership role. You know, and that's when it goes back to that whole portion when I was telling you, when I talk to people, that's how I'm able to pick up certain things. And then I will go talk to other people because that's just a skill you just naturally picked up from being a leader in the military. You know, so like when people talk, um, the easiest way to relate it is from a man's perspective. When you talk to a female, if you're interested in that female, you know, you can pick up the change in tone, the change in body language. And it's, you're using that to work in your advantage to get your ultimate goal, which is either I'm going to marry this woman or this is my plan to do this on this date, this time, however you want to look at it. Right, right. So that whole mental challenge piece, um, you have to be aware at all times. Just like we talk in the gun community, you know, you got to keep your head on the swivel. You always got to be ready 100% of the time, you know, but 100% of the time is actually understanding people, understanding 
when there's a problem, because if this person is always happy, now all of a sudden they're sad, what's on your mind? You know, and you can't go for the subtle excuse of, oh, I just woke up on the bad side, wrong side of the bed, or, you know, me and my girlfriend, we got into an argument and that's just bothering me right now. You know, you have to read through that stuff. And a lot of times people will tell you something just so you can leave them alone and then they can go ahead and forth with their mission. Right. So as, as alphas, right. And that's, that's really what, like, and I always say this about the firearms industry is like a, a lot of us are, we, we take on the alpha role or it's bestowed on us sometimes unfairly. Right. Like, it's, right. like the, I walk in mental health circles and everyone always says this, like, I wouldn't want to mess with you. And it's like, why? Because I'm in the firearms industry. Like that, you know, it's like almost as if this is belief that if something breaks out, I'm going to be the savior. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, you know, so you're in the military and there is a lot of issues there with coming forward to get help when you're in crisis. Crisis is always temporary, right? And that's one thing that we think we need to start focusing on as a society in general. This is not just in military culture, but crisis is temporary. Um, some will argue all mental health is temporary, right? Um, which I always kind of like that theory because it's empowering because it means there's a solution at the end or it's not the, you know, I have to live with this my entire life. Like, yeah, sometimes you do, but at other times, maybe you could really turn a corner, right? Um, did you ever have issues or see men that you thought he's really about to break and he's afraid to come forward and he can't? Oh, yeah, that's that's happened plenty of times especially when we was overseas um different people handle stress differently everybody handles stress differently that's how i should have worded that at the same time frame your the way you was brought up in life and your experiences in life is how you're going to handle a situation um for me being in the various um firefights and you know, taking life, it affected me, but it didn't affect me when I was in country. It didn't affect me until I got back here because mm -hmm. my mind state was, I gotta do what I gotta do to survive in order to get back here with my family, right? So that's, that was my way of thinking. Whereas there were soldiers who couldn't process that. They couldn't handle that. Um, there were a lot of people who were tapping out in the middle of a mission or right before we roll out, you know, I saw and um, I, I can't do this. I, I can't pull the trigger on somebody else. Well, you don't know if that's going to happen today or not. No, I'm not willing to take that chance mm -hmm. right now. You can't just tell that person, Hey, get your gear, get in the vehicle. Cause once again, you have to take that serious, right? If it does happen now, if you decide to fetal up on the side of the wheel of a vehicle, that hurts the manpower that we have out there because the number that we going out that gate with, everybody has a role. That role does not encompass you not being part of that role, you know? So that has, like I said, that has happened many times over when, it, when we was overseas not just in my platoon, but across the board. Mm -hmm. um, sniper section, I seen snipers um, after like their third or fourth mission, you know, taking out so many people. I, I can't do it no more. I'm not going to do it no more. You can't get mad at it. You know what I'm saying? Because 
everybody has a breaking point, right? And not everybody, even though we watch the movies and we glorify the action hero who has taken out 30, 45 people in an hour and a half movie, you know, that's entertainment. But when you associate that to real life, that takes a toll on you mentally and physically, you know? So the downside to it was, how do you handle that situation? Because your reinforcements are back overseas and now you got to wait at least 72 hours to get a replacement in for this person, right? Do you bring somebody else to fill in for that person or do you just cancel that mission? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you got to talk with your leaders and everything. And it was something that was challenging. It was very challenging. Does that, sorry, I, I know this is a Mike Sedini podcast interviewing. No, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, I, I guess I'm fascinated with this because it really does tie into a lot of people we help, right? Um, right. Did you did you ever get to a point or, you know, where you kind of were looking around and, all right, let me ask you this. If someone was in that crisis moment and they did tap out, did they have any chance of coming back or were they pretty much done? From my perspective, I looked at it as you were done because of the severity of my job. I wasn't willing to put nobody else's life in the line of danger off of a wishy-washy thought. Mm -hmm. So once you start displaying the whole, this isn't for me, I can't do it. Now, two hours later, I'm good. I'm, I'm ready to get back in it. I'm not willing to take that chance you know, the second time around, you know, and that's interesting because that, then therein lies the problem, right. Is, um, I think about all my life, like anxiety, I didn't understand what that was. Mm-hmm. I never had an anxiety attack or anything like that. And then in my mid thirties at shot show, because of, I think exhaustion, right? Like if anyone knows that have been to shot show, it's, it's like, we burn it at both ends, especially when you have a booth at Shaw Show. Right. Um, you know, you're out drinking till three, four in the morning with customers, clients, friends that you haven't seen all year. And then you're getting up at, the, you know, six o'clock to go work the booth and get to the booth at seven. And I had an anxiety attack at night in my room. And I didn't know what it was, but I felt like I was having a heart attack. Right. And my thought process in my mind was get up and move. I felt like, like, you know, they say if sharks stop swimming, like they die. I I was literally pacing around. And I like, at some point I was like, am I going to have to call like the ambulance, like to come get me like from the hotel? Like I I really got nervous. Um, And it wasn't until later because everything did calm down eventually that I, I realized I just had an anxiety attack. Like that was the, you know, like I came to that reality, like what that was months later, like that was a full blown panic, anxiety attack. And my thought process is like, that was one day. And I can't imagine if I was about to go into battle or go on a mission and that happened. Right. It didn't define me. It wasn't who I, it didn't happen ever again. You know, um, I was able to cope with when I had those certain feelings, it's like, ah, oh, you're in your own head. Yeah. You know, yeah. Calm it down. Yeah. So now I've had, um, two anxiety attacks. The first one I had, um, it was it was either at NRA or Shot Show. All the shows run the same to me, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was either NRA or the Shot Show. 
And what took place was I was recognized and it was about 15, 20 people. They was all circling me, you know, wanting pictures to talk and all that good stuff. And it was, I can't remember exactly how long I was there, but I was literally like, I looked at one of the guys that was standing there and I was like, Hey man, I need you to get me out of here. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you okay? And I just looked at him like I made my eyes bigger. And I said, I really need you to get me out of here. All right. And then he said something to the people. I just put my hand on his shoulder and I was like, hey, thank y'all. Thank y'all. And um, I'll, I'll see y'all later, but I got to go to this next appointment. And then when we started walking, um, I know we was over by um, the restroom. So I went in the restroom, put water on my face. And he was just like, hey, man, you okay? You okay? I was like, yo, man, I said, I'm good. I never had that happen before. It was like a scary feeling for me, right? And um, and he was like, well, what do you think it was? And I said, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, only thing I could relate it to, thinking back on it, was in the military, I'm with my squad, eight, nine people, and that's how we defend ourselves. We defend ourselves within ourselves. But when all those people was coming around me and then you're seeing the flashing, you know, Hey, can you sign this? Can can let me ask you this? You know, it, it was too much to absorb at that one time. Yeah. Um, the next time it happened to me, I was at the mall. <laughs> Literally I was at the mall and I don't remember the time frame when it was, if I was in the military or out of the military, but I remember I was at the mall. And it was so many people and I literally fell when I was walking. It felt like I'm walking with the crowd, but it felt like energy was coming against me Mm -hmm. and I fell down. And then I know two people that helped me up and then um, I made my way to the bench and it was like, you okay, you all right. And um, the person I was with, it was a female friend. And she was like, yo, you're too big. I, I can't carry you. Right. <laughs> and I was like, yo, give me, give me a few minutes. Give me a few minutes. I'm good. I said, I just got dizzy. I don't understand what's going on right now. And that was the first time that it ever happened to me. The NRA or SHOT Show, that was the second time. And um, I just sat there for a little bit. We sitting there, we're talking. And as we got up to walk, go out, um, there was a vending machine. I got some orange juice out of the vending machine went back to the vehicle and we left right that was the end of it um the third time as you stated i felt it coming and i coped with it right and all it was simply was i just sat down started playing video games and it went away right (laughs) right and i felt those feelings coming about you know but um let's just happen to say i retired 2017 um, that time at NRA, a shot show, that was probably 2018, you know, and nothing has happened since, you know, so, cause I think once you actually was in that realm of thinking, you automatically, you know, how to deal with it, how to cope with it because you went through it one time already. Yeah, I agree with that hundred percent. And that's, it's kind of like, you know, one of the things that we do is provide free and anonymous mental health screenings to anyone in the firearms industry, right? We have the bands that we give out. We have the cards that we put in the stores. Um, For the listeners, you know, we have a a card that 
many gun manufacturers put in their box that leads to these 13 different green anonymous mental health screenings. One of them is anxiety. Um, I tell people all the time, you don't have to be in crisis to go take a screening just to see where you're at. And what's unique about the screenings or what's what I think is really cool. And this is a story that I tell all the time because I saw it work with my daughter. Um, I grew up, as I said earlier, in a family where if I were to came to my father or came to my grandfather or my uncle, the, the people that I look up to, my Mount Rushmore, right? And I would have said, hey, I think I suffer from anxiety. They would have said, I'll give you something to have anxiety about. And we'd have to keep it moving. Like there's, <laughs> it, was a, it was a non-starter. Like there's no way we could, you know. Um, In their defenses, you have to understand, they did not know or understand back then what we do now. Exactly. Well, definitely. hundred percent. Right. It's why I'm not mad at them, but it's just, it's the way it, it, it was back then. Right. And, and sometimes it's the way it still is. Right. Because some people don't take the time to figure out what's going on. They're stuck in their ways. Right. Like my 80 year old grandfather, you could never tell him anything. He knew everything. Right. Right. <laughs> I knew everything at 21. Right. <laughs> now realizing I didn't know anything, but uh, you know, my daughter comes into my office and she says, Hey, dad, I think I suffer from anxiety. And I said, uh, it was like a teachable moment. I said, Hey, uh, sweetheart, you know, the little band, or, uh, actually it wasn't the band. It was, uh, at the time we didn't have the band idea. It kind of sparked the band idea, but it was like, Hey, you know, the organization that your father worked with mental health America, um, go on there, take a screening, answer it. Honestly, don't, don't, don't answer it as if you're answering for people or that they're going to show up and uh see where you fit fill uh see where you land on it right like so she comes in two days later she's like hey dad i took the thingy uh the thingy i was like what are you talking about she said the you know the for anxiety oh how did it go and she she smiled right and she goes i only have mild anxiety and i said that's that's a good thing right you feel better and she said yeah i feel a lot better and she said i'm actually going to give this to a friend of mine too um, and I said, well, yeah, because it, te it teaches you how to deal with it, right? Because it gives you these little pointers, you know, if you go through. And, um, you know, I thought about that. I was like, it's such a simple thing. And people are just like, yeah, what's the screening really going to do? Well, for us in the firearms industry and for us that are first responders or combat vets or active duty military, you know, our privacy is important. So it's a good way for people to go in and you don't have to be in crisis. It's like, hey, where do I fall on this spectrum? You know what I mean? When it comes to anxiety or, you know, if you had a sneaking suspicion, you may have had, you may have bipolar disorder, like go take a screening and just see where you're at. Yeah, you don't have to do anything after that, you know, and maybe you could learn some tips to where, like you said, on that third time that it came, you knew exactly, you were in control because you're like, I know what this is right. and I know what to do to mitigate it. Yeah. So, and you know, a lot of people who don't know attribute it to stress. You know what I'm saying? It is a form of stress, but there are different levels of stress also. So, um, but what they say in that um, G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle. Yes. <laughs> That's how you do it. So how can the good people find out where to take this um, assessment and how can they find out more about walk the talk America? They can visit WTTA.org or walk the walk the talk America.org uh, on social media, on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at walk the talk us. Uh, there's a lot of information on, on there 
you know, every platform that kind of explains what we do and all the different programs. Um, once again, you can go on there and take a free screening. It's free and anonymous. It's great. Right. Uh, the idea is, uh, you know, we, we've sat in the shadows too long and, and people have accused the firearms industry of, of not caring, um, you know, baby killers celebrating when there's tragedy. And the simple fact is we all know that's not true. We just know that that is not true. Um, I don't believe that any group has the right to say that firearms people can't be socially conscious. Like they can't, I refuse to let people take that away from us. So we're doing some great things that I think as firearms owners, you'd be very proud of, right? Like we are working on the front line and in many cases, in my opinion, doing more for second amendment rights and suicide prevention and mental health awareness than a lot of organizations out there. So, you know, go to the website. If another business or organization or just people want to contact Walk the Talk America or yourself to be a part of, help, contribute in a positive way, how can they do that? Through the website. Uh, once again, WTTA.org. Go on there. Uh, the, there's a contact us form. Uh, you know as well as I do. I'm, I'm I'm on social media all the time. I'm very responsive. They contact me through through my social media. It's Michael Sedini at Michael Sedini. Um, you know we we are always looking for help. Uh, obviously, not everyone can contribute financially. We do understand that times are tough, especially we're coming out of this the end of the world, right? A lot of people have been out of work for a while, but there are different ways people can help, and we can we can lead you to that, right? We can show you how you can help, but even just spreading the word, you know, when you're on social media, reposting our posts, Mike, you've been amazing at being, uh, you know, championing for WTTA. Um, you, you've posted many times with your daughter, which has been awesome. You know, like little things like that, that get us exposure. It, that helps. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in um, spreading the word because you're spreading the word, you're spreading the wealth. Yeah. And you, you never know who you're going to make that connection with who might need it. You know? So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm all yeah. for it. I'm all for the story, it. The, the stories become anecdotal at some point, but when there's a million anecdotal stories, it's you're on to yeah. something. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. <laughs> it's something we all have to deal with. Um, once again, we don't know what somebody's struggle is or what they're going through, but there's always somebody there willing to help regardless of what you're going through. Right. Right. You know, so it's one of those moments where as um, I was excited when I first heard about, you know, the endeavor that you decided to take on and then just looking at it over the course of time, how it snowballed to what it is now, you know, I'm like, um, anytime, like same thing I said to you back then, any way I can help, just let me know. I'm there for you regardless. No questions asked. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I'm just, I, you know, your support from day one has been great. That shot show when we actually got to to meet face to face was awesome. I still, you know, cherish that conversation. It was great. Right. Uh, yeah, that, and that was the funny thing too. Is like that was one of those early mornings, and I was like out of it, right? And yeah. You're just like Mike, Mike, and I'm like, someone calling me. I mean, you know how it is when your name is Mike. Like, right. People call out that name all the time. It's like when in doubt, just say the name. His name's Mike, <laughs> right? but um, you know, I've, I thank you for that support. And um, I really, 
you know, you, you just said something like snowballed. Yeah. Like it's crazy. I think about how far we've come since our conversation at that shot show. Mm. Um, I never would have thought it would get to where it's at today. Uh, you know, this is really, the message has transcended different walks of life and it really speaks to people. And that's what I think I'm most proud of is it does speak to people that aren't even firearms people. Right. Like they get, they can get the concept. So, you know, WTTA.org, go there, read about the programs, uh, just, just check out the website. You know, it's, it's, it's started by gun people for firearms owners. Yeah, that's it right there. So please everybody go check out walk the talk America and see what they have to offer. And then contact Mike, tell him you heard about it um, through the podcast and gifts, give your thoughts, you know, give suggestions, give input, you know, give what you can. Um, we're going to bring you back again, Mike, so we can have part two of this conversation because there is so much we didn't touch mm -hmm. and we're restricted on time, of course. But, um, but then the next couple of weeks or so, we'll bring you back on and we'll continue this conversation. Yeah. Thank you. Anytime. That will, work. Win. that will work. So <laughs> once again, thank you for coming on to the M-W Tactical Podcast. And if everybody will, please stay in your seats and here are a few words from our sponsors. Are you in the market to purchase your first or next firearm, but find the atmosphere of a gun store intimidating, crowded, or uninviting? There's a way for you to purchase the gun you want while avoiding the crowds, the gruff salesmen, and the marked up prices that come with a brick and mortar gun store. The process is called a transfer, where the purchase is made in an online store and sent to a federally licensed middleman called an FFL, who processes the paperwork and background check for a firearm purchase. CAE Transfers is the FFL with the lowest transfer cost in the Midlands at only $20 or $15 with the presentation of a South Carolina concealed weapons permit and $10 for repeat customers. If you live in Columbia, South Carolina or its surrounding areas, choose CAE Transfers as your FFL during checkout and let me help you complete your online gun purchase. You can find and follow CAE Transfers online at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram using at CAE Transfers. Thank you for your business and I look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, this is Brian Conley at Hunter's HD Gold. If you've never tried Hunter's HD Gold, then I challenge you to find me at a match next year. Go to the website under scheduled events, find out where I'm gonna be, come meet me in person and demo a pair for yourself. Find out why shooters across the United States are changing the Hunter's HD Gold to get 43% more light to their eyes, better contrast, eyes that are not fatigued at the end of the day based on the, the colors that we use, and find out the real meaning of why they change so you don't have to. So check us out on our website, huntershdgold.com, and I look forward to seeing you at the range soon. Mental Health and Guns. At Walk the Talk America, we are working with both the mental health community and the gun industry. Created by a gun industry veteran, Walk the Talk America seeks to raise awareness and create change through suicide prevention and firearm safety without legislation. We strive to eliminate the prejudice that firearms and mental health face. For more information and to support Walk the Talk America, please visit walkthetalkamerica.org. The gun cleaners. Our solvent is, I think, second to none. Our lube is second to none. Their lube's heavier than water, which is just a huge thing. People don't really put a lot of thought into that, just how huge that is to have on your gun, especially if you can still carry. The gun cleaners. 
Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, you're going to sweat a lot of the other lubes off. With ours, it'll stay there. The gun cleaners. And maintaining the quality of the process, the quality of the end result, is another. And you guys are able to do both with the process that you have there. Order your supply of the lube and the solvent at www.theguncleaners.com. Thank you for taking the time to hang out with us on the M-W Tactical Podcast. Remember, a new podcast comes out every Tuesday. If you can't wait for Tuesday, go listen to past episodes to catch up on what you missed. Make sure you visit www.m-wtactical.com and see what all is offered on the site where you can even purchase M-W Tactical apparel. But please... Go to our Facebook and Instagram page and follow us on our journey in the sport of competition shooting in the realm of the two-way community. Until next week, keep shooting, keep practicing, and have fun.